Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Our Next Guest Is. Hello and welcome to another Our Next Guest Is. This is a conversation where we meet the country's leading speakers and entertainers in the corporate and events world and we meet the person behind the name. My name is Michael Pope and I'm here with Carson White from Leading Voice. Carson, who is our next guest? Our next guest has identified 21 significant transitions in her life and has helped thousands of businesses, teams and individuals transition as well. Her last transition, however, was her most significant. Joanna's gender transition would prove to be the hardest yet and most rewarding of them all. Joanna has led the most fascinating life and her life experiences are too many to list in this short intro, although one is of particular note. Joanna was once a Chippendale dancer. I can't (laughs) wait to find out more about that. Our next guest is Joanna Ferrari. (laughs) Don't you love that, Joanna? Of of all your life's experiences, that's the one we've That's the one I picked out. Sorry. Oh, fantastic. That's a great place to start, (laughs) though. Look, you know, if you can do things with your clothes off, just think of all the possibilities where you can do with clothes on. Absolutely. (laughs) Joanna, we're feeling very lucky because we kind of feel that we're getting a two-for-one deal here. (laughs) Um, Because of your life experience of being born a man and now transgending to a woman. Oh, no. um, I'm going to stop you there. Oh, please do. Because I am not a woman. And okay. All right. A, a man cannot become a woman, and a woman cannot become a man. But I was male, and I now live female. A woman has a very, very different path in life. You and I share more similarities, right? Until I was 53, and did went into my transition. But I live female. My kids actually say this is my dad. Her name's Joanna. Right. She lives female. Thank you for correcting me. Is that ignorance on my part something you have to face every day? It's not really ignorance. It's it's really um, what we've been trained by media and what you see, um, you know, from a lot of the groups. They want to be called a woman or a man, but my whole background is science, biology, you know, genetics, nursing. And from all of that, I know I can change my chemistry and my anatomy. I can change my psychology, but I can't change my genetics or biology. Mm -hmm. So I'm very, very careful about how I actually tell that. And I explain that to people because I don't want to offend women either. Sure. They Mm -hmm. have their own space in this world. It's not my job to step on their rights to get mine met. Let's just go back before you got to Australia. You've been so tell us the life in the US. Oh, life in the US. Life in the US. My name was John, and I had a really incredible life. So um, I'd actually been doing sales training pretty much around the globe. Um, I had worked for uh, Anthony Robbins, a company called Nightingale Conant. Um, I was an international speaker, twice published author. So I was doing pretty good already. Absolutely. And as you already mentioned, a Chippendale dancer. I did that for <laughs> nine years. Yes. Wow. So, so it wasn't just a weekend job. It wasn't a weekend job. It was what I did full time and it got me into modeling and I did professional acting. I actually did some movies. I know don't tell what they were. <laughs> but I did. I actually had a couple of movies and played the lead role in a B movie. So And you were telling me yesterday you even worked for Chicago Bulls for a time. I did. I did some uh some sales and promotion for a Chicago Bulls, Chicago White Sox. That was pretty phenomenal. What a great experience I had there. Yeah, it would have been. Right. Yeah. And what was it like uh, being CEO for Anthony Robbins' experience? 
Um, you know, Anthony Robbins is an experience all on his own. <laughs> you know, if you look at speakers, you've got Anthony Robbins and everybody else. Mm. You really do because of his marketing, because of the, you know, just the personality, how he captures it, the type of results that he's gotten in business and personally. So um, it was quite a privilege to have the opportunity to be asked to be the CEO um, for the company here in Australia. Did you learn anything from, yeah. from him as a presenter? Yeah. Oh, gosh, it's hard not to. <laughs> um, but, you know, when you get up there and if you are very real um, and you actually are there for the audience, they'll get that. And it's one of the things that I really got from him because he's his biggest life. Mm. And when he gets up on stage, he's there to help people out. Right. And I do love that. Right. You know. So what you've painted briefly there is a very successful man working in, in various fields and at the top of the tree. Absolutely. And then life changed for you and you were treated differently from then on. I was. Um, look, I've known since I was four and a half years old that I was more female. But, you know, I grew up in the, you know, in the 70s and 80s. And yeah. you didn't, you know, walk up to your parents during those times going, hey, you know what, I'm really your daughter. Um, <laughs> that didn't work so well. And, and sorry, before you go where you're going, just take it back to that memory of four and a half years old. Can you tell us about that? Uh, four and a half years old is when I was hanging out with my sisters and we'd be playing dress up. And I just... Felt like one of my sisters. This is where MySpace is. Yeah, they used to call me Joe all the time, so right, it just right. kind of stuck with me. Okay, cool. And so you're on this on this pathway in the 60s and 70s as a man, but yeah, um, as male. Yes, forgive me. <laughs> and um, so I I didn't go through transition till I was 53 years old. Okay, um, and I had to wait until I was done with the responsibility of my family. And my, um, my ex-wife and I were together 23 years, and that's when we decided to part. And I transitioned after that, and it was time to do something for me. Um, but when I got into that life, it wasn't just that the world was treating me different. Everything explodes. You know, you make a decision, you confront where you're at. It's something I knew forever. Um, but you can't just know something um, or be something until you make a decision to live that way. And that's what I had to do. So I was the one who was treating me different. Mm. And no matter who you are, the world treats you the way you see you, period. And so luckily, I've got a lot of scientists in me. That's probably the greatest thing I call myself. Mm. Yeah. Um, and I started diving into what am I really made up of? Why do people want to treat me this way? Why do they see what I'm going through as abnormal when it felt so natural mm. to me, right? Mm. And um, yeah, you, I started getting treated female and you lose your voice. You actually find out that a lot of the things that women say about how guys treat women is true. Mm -hmm. um, and mine was a little bit worse, not much, but a little bit worse because they were still trying to figure out, you know, how do I treat somebody who was male is now female. Mm, yeah. And so there was a lot of things going on with that. Yeah. You said you lost your voice. I'm also hoping that there were positives in this second chapter as well. Um, not in the very beginning. In right. the very beginning, um, you basically lose everything. And that's why a lot of people go through what's called gender dysphoria. You lose family. You lose friends. You lose your income. You lose your job. People don't, can't trust what you're going through because they don't understand it. Mm. So when you lose everything, most people would just give up. And it's proven in that there's like 41% of, of everyone who goes through the gender transition attempts suicide. Um, but I have 
been through this a long time. And my gender transition wasn't powerful until I started able to look back at my life and see all the transitions that I'd made. And I started to understand what transitions actually are. And that's when I started to create um, the trans behavioral science. Trans behavioral science is where I learned you've got natural transitions, you've got imposed, you've got self-created, you've got compound transitions. It's when I started to put together all the ideas of the different phases and how to actually get other people to understand me and what I was going through because we're sitting here doing an interview talking about gender transition, but every single person in the world goes through their own type of transition. But they don't like it because we've been taught to not like change, to Mm. not make good decisions. And so what I did was I took my gender transition and I turned it into a very powerful way to bridge what I was doing and show other people exactly what I'm going through. Because Mm. you're going through the same thing. Mental conflict, having to go through a transition, having to invest in yourself, worlds exploding. Why are we taught that change is, I don't want to say not good, but why do we resist change? No, that's exactly what we're taught. And and why are we taught that? Well, because we live a learned life. We mostly live past generations. Most people live as their grandparents and their parents did. Uh, If you want a great example of that, look at unemployment and look at people on the dole here in Australia. You'll find it's five to seven generations deep. Why is that? Because everybody wants to live on the dole? No, because... My parents did that, their parents did Mm. that, and their parents did that. This is what we do. Yeah. So what we're taught by our parents, teachers, and authorities is this is good, this is bad, this is right, this is wrong. Here's all the rules, right? Here's the laws, and you don't change those. And then they tell us, here's the fears if you try and do better than we did, Mm. right? Mm. So we're set up to not make decisions. We're taught not to make good decisions, not to step outside that comfort zone. Follow the path that has been laid down. Stay on the path, exactly. So when we go through that, it makes it very difficult for people to understand it. Joe, in the introduction, I mentioned that you identified 21 transitions in your life. So just explain what you mean by the previous 20 transitions. Great question. Um, I, I, I told him to say that one. Uh, did you? Yeah. You said it perfectly. Thank you. I've been up all night learning it. Good job. Thank you. Um, what I learned is that I, I wasn't sure what I was going to do because I stepped into so much uncertainty. And that's a really tough thing for people to step into. They don't like uncertainty. We have to have familiarity for us to feel comfortable. Um, but the more uncertainty you can handle the more success you can handle, the better you can survive, Mm -hmm. right? So in looking back, I started looking for areas in my life. When did I make a change? Why did I make a change? How did I make a change? And I started to notice that even at the age of nine years old, I knew that I wanted things. And so I actually changed from playing all the time to getting a paper route and to actually Mm. going on side jobs at nine years old. Mm. By 15, my parents had actually um, signed off that I could join um, a multi-level marketing company called Amway. So by 17, I bought my first car for cash. You know, when everybody else is driving around in a jalopy, you know, here I am getting a new car. 
So, so is what you learnt from that the idea to embrace change and see it as opportunities to stop no. the path you're on? No, no, you don't. You don't stop it. It's just to actually become mindful. See, there's two things that happen. One is, oh yeah, change is coming, right? And that's just recognizing the system that I'm in or, or the place that I'm in at that time. But the second part is actually making a practice out of mindfulness. And unconsciously or subconsciously, I had actually started to do that through my life because. I always progressed and progressed and progressed. Right. I didn't know how at the time until I actually went through my transition, my gender transition. Mm-hmm. And that's when it hit me like a lightning bolt. That's when my coaching with executives got powerful because I could show them that what they were looking at as a failure or a negative was actually a portal that was going to catapult them straight to where they wanted to be if they could deal with it. Mm-hmm. And that they needed to stop always trying to make everything positive in their life because by doing that they were actually missing some of the ways that were going to shortcut them to the successes that they wanted. So you spoke earlier about the individual's resistance to change. Do companies behave like individuals? Is is there a culture in companies that some are better than others to embrace change? Well, the thing is um, what you can do with an individual, you can do with a company. What you can do with a company, you can do with an individual. Why? Because they're all made up of people. So if I've got one person and they're going through conflict and won't go into transition – If I've got 10 people on a team, now I've got 10 people in conflict, some in transition, some not in transitions. And I don't mean gender. I mean life transitions, Mm, right? Or or even systems within the workplace. Or even systems within transitions. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. And so a lot of times what human beings do, we can complicate anything, right? (laughs) And so we get very compound. We open up a number of transitions that are happening in our own life, in our job, at home, in our career, with our kids, all these different things. And what we don't do is we don't know where we're at in the transition because we have never been taught about that. Do you think that you don't know where you're at is because they don't know how to identify? We don't know how to identify when we're in transition. And that's why I created the trans behavioral sciences because to show patterns, because I love patterns. Once you recognize a pattern in a person's life, you can actually change so many things. But here's what I've typically found. You only need to change three things in any one person's life and you'll get a completely different result with that person. What are those three things? I was just going to say, can you just explain what you mean by pattern? So give an example of of what you mean by pattern. Okay. So for example, one of the things, and you asked what I learned from Anthony Robbins, he uses a thing called the six human needs. Okay. Mm -hmm. The six human needs are certainty, uncertainty, significance, growth, connection, and contribution. Those are the six. If you take those and you give them to someone and ask them to rank them one through six, one being the most important to them, six being the least, and you just go through those six, you get a pattern of what that person's like. You can tell if they're going to be able to achieve their goal, not achieve their goal Mm. really quickly with only six words. If you sit and talk with someone for a while, you learn about their language patterns and you can actually tell, boom, very quickly whether or not they're going to be able to achieve their goals, what's stopping them, how they actually think. And you can then change that person and move them. Most of the time, when I'm working with people, one of the key factors that you have to change with a person is their communication and their understanding of their communication. And the second one is their body, because what they don't understand is how they're communicating to themselves, how they're communicating to the world, and both of those will actually change the chemistry of a person's body. 
Okay, so those two things make a huge difference. And you asked about the third one. Yeah. It's relations. If I've got good communication, strong body confidence, and good ability to build relationships, I can typically have a good, strong platform for building success. Fabulous. So all of that has now brought you for some years now on the speaking stage and working one-on-one with individuals. How did that transition go from, okay, I'm not going to be employed, uh, you know, in a corporation anymore. I'm actually going to stand up and talk my learning. Yeah, I didn't have to do that. I was very, very lucky. Um, Working for Nightingale Conant, um, one of the guys was... Which is uh, what company? uh, Nightingale Conant. It's it's an international... Um, producer of audio programs. Right. Yeah, one of the leaders. They they made all kinds of progress with Wayne Dyer, uh, Jim Rowan, Brian Tracy, Zig Ziglar, all of those. Okay, you might introduce our podcast to them. I could do that, <laughs> yes, absolutely. Thank you, Joanna. <laughs> um, so working with them. I was working with them, and uh, I was running a 300-seat call center for them. And they came to me and asked me if I wanted to do speaking because I was doing all the training and stuff. And I said, sure, let's give it a try. So overnight, they gave me a set of, um, you know, a set of information to learn. And the next day, I was standing in front of 1,500 people. So feet to the fire. How was that? How did you find that? I found that fantastic. It was like coming home, you know. I love the stage. So you had a world of experience as a speaker before the transition. Yes. So talk to us about how you then, after the transition – started the speaking world back here in Australia. So Yeah, I wasn't sure what I was going to be able to do, actually, but I got a call from Westpac, and they were getting ready to do um, an event talking about transphobia and homophobia. And um, so they asked me if I would come on stage and, and speak. And it was uh, about two years into my transition. That was about 2015? Yeah, about yeah. 2015. And... Um, I got up on stage and did a presentation and I found that um, I found my voice again Mm -hmm. because you lose your voice. You know, a lot of women lose their voice when they're, you know, when they're um, around men and producing ideas and talking about ideas. But it wasn't until I got back on stage that I went, hey, wait a minute. Um, I have a strong voice. You've got something to say. And, and I've got yeah. something to say. Mm. Now you can't shut me up. <laughs> <laughs> Can I pick up on that? Because you have a particular perspective on this. You said a lot of women lose their voice when they're around men. They do. Is that because of what men are doing to women or what women are doing to themselves? Oh, that's a great question. Um, I think it's a little bit of both. Um, you know, if, if I put on a label called feminist and I go into a room full of people, well, I start using my feminist label to find everything that doesn't match that, and that's a bad way to do it. But men also have been habitually, um, you know, and have this history of running things. They right. drive. And being loud. Being loud. And so a woman can actually have a great idea, say it, and three minutes later, a guy will say the same thing. <laughs> well, that happened to me in, in a meeting, oh. and I slammed my hand down the table <laughs> no. and said, that's not happening. Yeah. If we're talking about that idea, yeah. I'm leading. Yeah, right, right, yeah. right. It's mine, yeah. yeah. Yeah, exactly. You're back on stage. You're doing the speaking thing. You've now, and, and you've now evolved I guess you're messaging your content down yes. to a, a key area. And, and I, correct me if I'm wrong, but I, I think you define it as rethinking business, rethinking life, rethinking success, and rethinking influence. Yes. So talk us through the, the rethinking okay. philosophy. Um, it all has to do with – and that's how I became the transition specialist is because I actually help people to rethink. See, everybody thinks that you have to take action and get out there and really start doing and doing. Mm. But – 
if you haven't really thought through it, if you haven't figured out that it's okay not to have all the answers, if you haven't thought through the idea of it's okay to have fears, Mm -hmm. if you haven't really sat down and figured out what a goal will do to your life, because a goal is like a domino in a life. If you put a goal into somebody's life, it's a real goal, it falls over. It starts to knock over Mm. a person's life all over the place. Is that good or bad? it depends. That's mm. why you actually have to plan that at the beginning, right? Okay. Okay. Um, but a lot of people don't do that, and that's how we've been taught to set goals, and that's really a big part of what's come out of doing this. So rethinking it first before you just dive in, because guess what happens? You shorten the time to get to a goal once you've actually thought through it as a domino, right? You lose a lot of the fears because you don't have to anticipate something's going to go wrong. You've actually seen it and been able to do some preventive work. So you do a lot of things like that. So rethinking has become extremely powerful because if somebody wants to become successful, well, what you have to rethink to rethink success is survival. Mm. Okay, And if you want to have a much better life, you've got to think about all the components of your life and the people that are in it. Mm. If you want to rethink a business, you have to minimize and get to the five models of change to actually make sure that you get the results you're looking for without spending three times as much money. (laughs) And what are the five models of change and how do they sit within the rethinking framework? Okay. Oh, there's another 20-minute podcast. Sorry. You've got 30 seconds. Okay. I'll just tell you this, that each of the each of the four that you mentioned, rethinking business, rethinking influence, rethinking life, rethinking success. From doing all of this from my gender transition, I've actually created five models of change in each of those. I'll give you an example because I can do it in 30 seconds for business. You go through and look at a person of the company's vision. Then you look at precision. Then you look at uh, determination and determination is being able to make decisions and measurement. Okay? You've got relations and innovation. When you do those, it equals um, you get accurate actions and you get higher profits in mm-hmm. a very short space of time. In the last three years, six clients doubling their business sales. Using this framework and modeling. Using this framework yep. in 90 to 120 days. Yep. And that's what I've become known for. Fantastic. Indeed. So let's talk about in the last couple of minutes, Joanna Ferrari as the gun for hire as a speaker. It sounds like you're very flexible in the kind of presentations that you can offer businesses. I am. I actually do, uh, like I was with a, a client, and we've done a little bit of the transition work, but we're also doing a lot of influence work because it'll be a great number of salespeople mm-hmm. in the audience and teaching them how not to sell instead of how to sell is really what we're going to be focusing mm. on cool. in that arena. A- and your time on stage is flexible. You have a keynote, but I imagine you do a workshop and so forth. I do I do keynotes, but I'm really best suited for 45-minute, 90-minute sessions because um, I go through the models of change. And you really can't do that in 18 minutes. In 18 minutes, I can do some great storytelling and make an audience laugh and have fun with me, though. And just on that, I have had the pleasure of seeing you speak, Joanna, and storytelling is a massive strength to what you do on stage because it is the powerful stories that change people within the context of the the framework that you're offering. So, yes, I can vouch for your storytelling ability. He has seen me, but he's paid to see me. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'm not paid to see me. And in our last 18 minutes, I've been enthralled by your articulation of your life journey but also the lessons from that that we can apply in our businesses and hopefully the better as change either we seek it or it comes to us either way if we're prepared for it we may well have those goals and successes that we dream of absolutely thank you so much for your time today absolutely thank you for having me on and if you want to understand the transition process a bit more please go to joannaferrari.com 
That was our next guest is with Carson White from Leading Voice and your MC Michael Pope. To hear more of our guests, you can find us on iTunes or simply visit www.ournextguestis.com.au. But until next time, let's take a break.